This is Let's Talk Business with your hosts, Mark Ebinger and Heather Bain. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, a show that highlights some of the best businesses in the San Antonio area. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk with Alan Bayer, president of the Who Am I Answer, who specializes in teaching people their talents, advantages, gifts, and strengths. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're also going to talk with Priscilla Moreno with PM Insurance Group, who helps small business owners and the self-employed find medical insurance. Priscilla, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. In studio with us today, as always, is Heather Bame, a certified business coach that works with business owners to gain clarity in business and achieve their goals. Heather, welcome back to the show. Always happy to be here. So it's raining like crazy out there, right? Yes, I had to run in here with a bag on my head. It was especially bad for Priscilla. You had to kind of come up the ramp with a with a crutch. So, <laughs> um, but good job doing that. Um, everybody got like a nice wet look to their hair when they yeah. came in, I guess. <laughs> so quick reminder for our listeners, you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. And if you're a business owner in the San Antonio area and would like to have your company featured on the show, visit our website at satalkradio.com or call our office at 210-960-8210. That's 210-960-8210. I met with someone this morning who found this, uh, or found the show just from listening to it. Gino. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was like, I was, I was watching YouTube and I saw Mark and I was like, I can be on that show. And he reached out. That, okay. That's how, that's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. I should have charged him more. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That organic reach is working really, really well. Mm -hmm. I love the attitude though. Like I can do that. Like, absolutely. You can Mm -hmm. just come and highlight your business, get in front of people. That's kind of the entrepreneurial spirit, right? I mean, Priscilla, during our conversations, you have very much that attitude. It's, it's like, I'm just going to do it this way, right? Rather mm-hmm. than working for someone, you just kind of go out and blaze that path. So I'm looking forward to talking to you, kind of getting into that discussion a little mm-hmm. bit about why entrepreneurship or why your own business as opposed to, you know, just working for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So like a type of personality, which Alan, I know you're going to kind of get into all of that, right? <laughs> looking at helping people kind of dig into their strengths and talents. Exactly. And I love the business, um, small businesses and the entrepreneurs. They're just fantastic. I love them. (laughs) They're great. Yeah, they're different folks because we look at like, so problems. I mean, we, that's a bit, entrepreneurship is just a string of Mm -hmm. problems that you're solving along the way. And I find it interesting that with every entrepreneur I talk to, it's a different, different like motivation force that drove them into this Mm -hmm. because there's a, very small percentage of the population that I feel like is just, they are born knowing that they're going to be an entrepreneur. And a lot of us have a totally different story. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the definition of entrepreneurship real quick, because there's job owners, which I think are different than entrepreneurs. Job owners are just looking for, I don't want anybody telling me what to what do to and do. how to do it. <laughs> so they were willing to take the risk to go out there and do it themselves. Mm-hmm. How's that differ from entrepreneurship in your opinion? Well, I feel like the way I put it is uh, like you're either shooting to be like a business owner or an entrepreneur and a business owner, in my opinion, is someone who builds a business that they just want to sink into and run. And it's not working in the business per se. It's working on the business to an extent if you're going to be a business owner. But an entrepreneur is someone who's always looking to scale and grow and, and they have that, what can I do next 
attitude and they're both valid but it, it's you never know what an entrepreneur is going to come up with next they're mm-hmm. they're less likely to start a new business tomorrow as they are to grow the one they have today well and that's where business coaching actually comes in handy because mm-hmm. we tend to blaze such a path that we're not necessarily following behind with the the structure and the the implementation side of things yeah i call it shiny ball syndrome you see a, a shiny object and it's like squirrel mm-hmm. i'm gonna go chase after that like oh there's so much opportunity and like that's the thing there's almost unlimited opportunity in this world everything has the opportunity to grow into something huge but not unless you give it the attention it needs to actually grow yeah and that's something i learned early on when i started my business was i started leveraging um our outsourcing from the philippines because of the you know i can hire at such a smaller rate Mm -hmm. right that i can actually afford to go out and do the things that i'm looking to do um it allows me to scale so doing that here in the united states because of all of the rules and all of the the extra costs and the higher wages and everything else it would have made it just impossible for me to do the things that i needed to do like outreach for the show it's something i don't really like to do is cold calling people hey you want to come on a radio that was not my thing. So I would struggle with it and follow up is another area that I'm just not great in, but I have a team and you guys have experienced that already to an extent because they're following up with you guys, make sure you have everything that you need um, so that you can, you know, come on the show or do whatever you're going to do. And that's near impossible to do unless you can leverage other people's time. I agree. And a lot of the people I talk to, you know, they say, Oh, I know I need to hire. I know I need a leverage. And a lot of the times I'll ask them, what hiring are you thinking about? Because a lot of the times they default to the hardest job, right? They think that they need to replace themselves if they're, you know, doing a high level skill. They need to replace themselves in sales. They need to replace themselves in fulfillment in the, the skill that they are the best at. And a lot of the times I'll ask them, what are the lower level skills that you are doing right now? How much time are you spending on paperwork, follow up, admin? And that's where they're like, actually a lot. And I'm like, okay, it doesn't cost as much or take as much training to outsource that type of skill, but it saves you a lot of time. That's actually the place to start too, because if Mm -hmm. you, like for me, I've grown through this process. I think I have 14 or 15 assistants working for me now. And it's like, for me to be able to to think about, okay, I need to replace myself with sales. That's kind of silly because that's like, that's a high level skill from where I'm at because I'm selling myself and what I'm doing constantly. Um, I wouldn't want to outsource that to somebody. But even when I'm ready to do that, I have to learn how to do that properly along the way as you're going through your business development. I feel like Priscilla is probably a good one to speak on that because you have a team of insurance agents. What's the training process, getting someone to go out and create sales on their own? Mm-hmm. Um, well, to go back to delegating, mm-hmm. um, if you take away a lot of like your personal life, like I don't do my own laundry anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you take away a lot of that, then I have more time to be able to pour into my agents um, and kind of learn what's most important to them. And I'm, I'm pulling their strengths. So that way they're able to make those connections and grow their own business. Mm-hmm. Um, so that entrepreneur mindset um, for me is, is different than a business owner because I want to teach someone else how to be a business owner and pour into the community. I remember when I was a homicide detective here in San Antonio, and when I got there, I, it was 
probably just a couple of months after I went to the murder investigations and I was like, man, we really should have our own assistant because there's, you know, being by the phone, there's, there's cause stuff can come in and there's administrative tasks and so forth or follow up and that kind of stuff. And it's so even for like civil service and a position like that would be good. But that's how different I was thinking even 25 years ago. Yeah. You get kind of entrenched in, in the, the mindsets that you build up over the years. So it is unique. You are one of the most, like most of the time business owners, I have to convince them to leverage stuff. Mark is totally different. He's like, who can I hire? Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, well, when do we need to, to, to even out at this point? But, uh, but yeah, getting people to, to switch that mindset is big mm-hmm. and then practicing that mindset is huge. I think the general corporations could also learn this to an extent because um, mm-hmm. you see a lot in, and especially older institutions, they mm-hmm. have leveraged things that maybe they don't need to have as high level leverage in and those lower level leverage points, they can really, they could benefit from like basic communication. That's huge. If you can communicate at a high level with people, it doesn't take a lot of skill, but just being able to tell people, you know what? this may be a little late or here's when you can expect it or, Hey, I'm just checking and nothing's happened. That's so incredibly valuable. I know I'm blown away when that happens to me just from a consumer standpoint. That's where we excel pretty good with my team is, Mm -hmm. is like customer service because you don't get left behind kind of, and and it doesn't drain. I never tell somebody, look, if you have any issues, I'm your first point of contact. I don't do that any anymore I, I never really liked to do that in the first place but i certainly don't have to do it now and it's better for the con, for the client because they have access to who they need to have access to no matter if i'm in a meeting or not yeah, yeah so that's a lot of people a lot of entrepreneurs also have a problem with um releasing or giving up that responsibility because they, they're that's why they got into be an entrepreneur so that they can control it and so releasing is a really tough time and there's a statistic out there that a lot of business owners don't make more than $50,000. They would make more working in a corporate job than, than being their own business owner. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that goes back to Heather's point earlier in that that, that mindset is of a job owner, not of an mm-hmm. entrepreneur, because an entrepreneur right. is looking to leverage and looking to scale, or as a job owner is looking to control, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and kind of like isolate, I would even say to an extent, there's isolation that occurs with job ownership too. You're not willing to go out and find what you need to scale. They're not even thinking about that. So I would say that's job owner description of what you're talking about mm-hmm. there, yeah. which I think is most w- entrepreneurs is somebody, is somebody coined that phrase. I forget who it was, <laughs> like but that. I liked it. <laughs> Wantrepreneur. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting when you, when you come across that, because generally they're not connected with other entrepreneurs. When we all get together, we start brainstorming and mm-hmm. talking about our collective experiences and it expands your mindset too. So if anybody listening is, is finding themselves in that position where they've created themselves a job instead of a business, mm-hmm. first thing I'd recommend is, is finding a community of people like we have to go out and meet and start expanding your mindset on that. So you can start figuring out what areas of your business you can leverage easily, I think is the key thing. And that's where you really come in, Mark, is you give the people an easy way to leverage some of those lower, lower level pieces of their business. You know, it doesn't take a ton of training and time to have someone schedule your appointments or follow up with your clients in the regards of like, hey, how's it going? I'm just letting you know a few things here. That doesn't break the trust at all. Mm-mm. Right. And it's what, a great foot in the door. Sorry. I think what makes it hard for people too is that they have this mindset like no one does it better than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's so much going on. It's like, let me just go ahead and do it because I'm going to do it quicker. So you have to learn to, you need to slow down in order to speed up. And if I don't teach that person, I'll never know if they can do it well. So I'm almost doing them a disservice. 
Uh, because if I'm not teaching them that skill set and slowing down and teaching them, then I'll, they'll never be as good as they could possibly be. So it's just giving them that empowerment. Well, and, also, and a, a good test of whether or not you really are good at it is to teach it. Mm -hmm. I was going to say it, is that it also exposes their weaknesses because yeah. nobody wants to say, oh, I am terrible at sales or I'm terrible. They want to highlight what they're good at. And so to um, be humble and expose, okay, I'm not good at organizing or creating procedures and all that. Give it to somebody that would be excited to do it. And then they're going to lift up everybody all at the same time. Well, and that speaks to the isolation I was talking about earlier. We, and, and that's what I meant by that is that we, we insulate ourselves from information because this is what we do and this is how we do it and we're the best at it. Mm -hmm. uh, a good example of that, I hired a uh, recruiter. He had to leave because, it, I mean, he was only on for about a week and a half or so, but he had some serious health issues that he's dealing with, so he had to leave. But he exposed to me all that I was not near as good as I thought. I'm good at certain <laughs> things, right? I, I can do really, really good at conversations, stuff like that. But his questions he would ask and ways that he treated the process were like, I was like, wow, this is really awesome. So, and I don't know. I'm not going to say that we're arrogant here in America, but we still got a lot to learn, right? It's like it, there is a mindset that, you know, f hiring from the Philippines is like, well, you know, I don't know. It's like, are they, you know, they're, they're living conditions or education or whatever. And it's like, no, these people are exceptional people and they work extremely hard. So it's humbling. Mm -hmm. So and it's I, always good. I think this is a good point of reference for what Alan does since he is you know, your, your entire world is made up of who are you? What are your strengths? Um, you know, tell us a little bit. Well, about, let's introduce them. Oh, Let, yeah. Well, yeah. Let's sorry. Start let's introduce segment. you. We're ready to go. That, <laughs> okay. I right. think that's a good segue into no. Alan's piece. <laughs> you want to do it? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So first up on the show is Alan Bayer, president of the who am I answer who specializes in teaching people their talents, advantages, gifts, and strengths. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you again. <laughs> so I, I think this is a good segue, whether it be from the Philippines, from America, knowing your strengths and the value that you bring to a role is humongous in building it, especially in business. If you're going to build a business, if you read a lot of business books, they start having commonalities. And one of those commonalities is you need to know what your strength in the business is. As a business owner, what do you bring as a value? So Alan, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. I go into businesses and with assessments um, that I'm certified in, Myers-Briggs, Clifton Strengths, you might have heard some of these, Colby and Fascinate, is you take these assessments and it tells you what your strengths are. And it also tells you what I really like is what your weaknesses are that we are talking about humbling. And so what a lot of people do is um, even in school, all this is that they focus on weaknesses. So here, I'm going to do a little test. And for those that are listening to the radio here, I'm going to give everybody a pen. And what I want you to turn the paper over. Here you oh. go. Here you go. So write with your dominant hand if you are right-handed. So um, sign your name, just how you'd normally do, like on a check or um, a check. Make it out to Alan. A thousand dollars would be fine. <laughs> now switch hands to your non-dominant hand. Now sign your name. Jeez. Uh, and, and we'll it's we'll take a, a moment like here. A I'll tell you a little story because it. it'll take you a while. <laughs> oh. Wow. Oh, pretty. So <laughs> how did that feel? Awkward and a little bit uh, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah. yeah. A little embarrassing and how ugly that is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how's cute. it look? Does it look like your original? Nope. No. <laughs> Could you do it? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. So you can, and that's what a lot of people do, is they do their weaknesses. It's awkward. They don't get it done as well. Like you said, you hired an assistant. So you were awkward at it, where somebody else, they rip it out like that in, you know, a third, a quarter, half the time. And so that's what I show when I go into teams. When they're going through the assessments, is they show their talents, um, advantages, gifts, and strengths. So let me, um, this I pulled up, is Gallup does um, a survey. This is 67000 thousand people that Gallup surveyed, um, about 32% of them are um, fully engaged in their work. 32%. That's mm-hmm. one third. That means that two thirds are either not engaged, um, fully disengaged, or they're you know somewhat um, engaged. And so if you could get your whole team up and engage, how do you do that? Well, the top five answers here are um, clarity of expectations. This is, you know, out of the 67,000. Connection to the mission or purpose of the company. You know, people want to be connected with that. But the next three are where I focus. Opportunities to learn and grow. Opportunities to do what employees do best. Duh. And then feeling cared about at work. Okay, so and it's okay to laugh. I joke around a lot. Um, and so how can they feel like you care about them? Well, if you're investing in them going here, I want to show you what your talents, advantages, gifts and strengths are. So let me show you a little bit about that with one of them. Colby is there's fact finder. Now there's on a scale to one to 10 on a 10 the fact finder is somebody that does research on the internet and they just love it and they just dig it all up. Me, it puts me to sleep. I'm on the other the end of the scale. I just want the cliff notes okay and so someone that i'm talking to that just loves to do all that research it's like great let me give it to you because that's not what i'm good at another one i won't go through all of them but the next one is follow through they love procedures they go into places and they go oh it's disorganized and they love to organize clean up like i don't know if you watch big bang theory sheldon loved going into the closet and organizing the whole closet he was excited about it others are like eh, it's good enough i know where everything is and they have vertical piles in there on their desk so you see the scales in different ranges. I also am good at implementer where I like to tell stories, but when it comes down to the tangible, it's going to take me 8, 10, 12 times as long. Whereas you give it to, say, like an engineer, they're going to create a model beautiful that you can picture. So with that, those are the strengths. Now, the weaknesses, you know, oh, they oh, might... Hold up. Let me... Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, let me break in just for a second here. So uh, when it comes to... There's this thing called quiet quitting. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I know this feeds into what you're saying there because if people don't feel in, engaged or, or aware of what's going on and then maybe they can't find their place in there that they'll tend to isolate as well themselves from everything i think it's a self-defense mechanism you know a self-preservation mechanism but can you talk real quick about this quiet quitting what that means and that goes back to the poll is that if the company, if they don't feel like the company's um, cares about them, it's like, you know, if you're in a relationship like that, somebody doesn't care about, I don't really care about making dinner for you tonight, or I don't really feel like going out of the way or picking up the clothes or something. So if they don't care about me, I don't feel like staying after hours and putting in overtime. Hey, can you stay this weekend? No. 
when I've seen no, it. No, I don't feel like it. You know, so when they feel like they're engaged or like the company cares about them or the company has a mission, so that quiet quitting, look at, and I think it came about mostly because of the pandemic. People were isolated. What about all those extroverts that wanted to be engaged with people? The introverts loved it. They were going, this is great. Yeah. I'm indoors. <laughs> I don't have true. to go to these stupid meetings. Oh my gosh, and interact in the water cooler and all that. And the extroverts were going nuts. And so that quite when they get in, so, you know, who's quiet quitting is the introverts that don't want to go back to the office is the extroverts are, you know, so that's when I do these surveys and assessments is you find out what they're good at. So don't force them, you know, don't put a, um, a, a round peg into a square hole or vice, you know, a square peg into a round hole. So I, I feel like, oh, you, no, go ahead. I feel like a lot of that quiet quitting too, especially, you know, the pandemic and everything, we see it a lot in corporate America mm-hmm. um, and, and they try their best, I feel like to, to turn things around, but in corporate America, it's hard to control because you are not ultimately the one in charge. You, you're, you're reporting to your fortune 500, your CEOs, your boards. But as entrepreneurs, that's something that we have a real advantage in, I feel like, is is our control of our business and the level that we're able to operate because we have the ability to make those decisions without running them by a board of executive. How have you seen this effect come about more directly when you're working with smaller business owners? I, I'm, you know, I see, well, we see everywhere I go now hiring people are having problems trying to find good people to hire. And so they're just like, if you can fog a mirror and we can take a pulse, they're just trying to get them in there because people are kind of fed up. And so with that, what if you go one more step and you have um, someone take the assessment, you have your job outline specifically set up so that they know exactly what they want. So we want somebody to do research or we want somebody to go out and do sales. They take the assessment, man, in Clifton Strengths, you're a woo, you're winning others over. You're great at talking to people. You're not gonna put them in the back room to do filing administration and things like that. So if you can focus and get the right person in the right job, you know, as we were talking last week, you said, what does it take to, um, for a officer to go through the police academy? It was $100,000 for six, eight months. That's pretty expensive. Imagine if that same ratio ratio was with a small business. When I feel like in a, in a small to medium sized business, a lot of the times, A, nobody likes to fire people. We all want to create jobs, not take jobs away. Um, and we have the power to, to make significant change. So what would it look like instead of saying, oh, I need to wipe this team out and hire all new people? Maybe it's just reevaluating the people you have and shifting some roles around. That's a good point. Well, I think going back to you being a business coach is do they know, you know, the first um, clarity of the expectations, connection to the mission or purpose of the company. Sometimes the company owner may not know where they're going. They're the leader. Mm-hmm. So if you're the lead, you know, there was a comic strip a long time ago where the, you see all these people running ahead and a guy behind them. He goes, what are you doing? Well, I'm chasing them because I'm their leader. so if you're not leading the way, how do you expect the employees to get behind you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're we're about eight minutes into the segment uh, to your segment there, Alan. I, w- I want to get to objections, and I think this ties in well uh, when you know if a business owner is reluctant to, I guess maybe accept the application of the service. How do you handle those objections? Well, I, I agree. I've been um, doing this for a long time. I understand where they're coming from, but let me ask you this question: How much does it cost to uh, lose an employee? Yeah, it's exp- not only is it expensive in, in 
you know, training time and wages, but it's also extremely frustrating to have to start over, especially as an entrepreneur. We do not Mm -hmm. like to start over from scratch if we don't have to. Mm-hmm. And incorporating them into the culture. What culture do you have? And so if they know that this is a culture that is um, based on positivity, on people working together, knowing what each other's strengths are. So if you need something, they've got it right there. Their, um, their Colby is a 4483, which, you know, I can go into more detail. But that means that I like brainstorming. So you don't want me organizing. You don't want me to uh, fact find. So if you come to me with brainstorming, I'm going to pull stuff out of the air that you wow I never even thought about that like you said when you were meeting with the one guy with health issues he was bringing stuff to you that you had never thought about he was bringing you didn't know what you didn't know there's there's another I'm going to switch gears just slightly because I think there's a huge implication for personal relationships like with marriage Mm -hmm. and even like when dating you know what I mean because if you really because there has to be some matching there that goes I mean I've been married almost 35 years to the same woman, we have to say that these days, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. At any rate, uh, in, in, so we understand each other because we've been through a little bit of the personality color test, stuff like the love languages, stuff like that. But when you understand each other a little bit better, you're not constantly putting your own expectations on somebody else who can't match it. To your point, like somebody likes brainstorming, or I like entrepreneur, I like being the tip of the spear. Don't make me have to. Uh, do accounting stuff. It'll drive me nuts and make me very unhappy. So I think there's personal relationship implications here as well. I, I see that all the way around because you could say quiet quitting at work. That's the big term that's been going on. But what about quiet quitting in relationships, yeah. quiet quitting in, in, in marriages yeah. where you're sitting there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, oh, I, uh-huh, yes, that, that sounds great, uh-huh. And they left a minute ago. And you're still, you know, you're, you're just carrying on. But when you're actively engaged with each other, like you said, with the five love languages, which is another free assessment that I got on my website, is that if I'm bringing my wife gifts over and over again, yeah, this is great. And you go to a marriage counselor, but he doesn't love me. What are you talking about? I'm bringing you all these gifts. Yep. Yeah, but you don't spend quality time with me. You're all doing, you volunteer everywhere else. Or, you know, can you just do the dishes in the dishwasher? So I mean, every service season, and... and- and yeah. uh, acts of service I, or accolades, you know, giving me, um, a, you know, mm. appreciation. Man, you did a great job. Wow. You know, there's and, a quote by Mark Twain that says, I can go for two months on a good compliment. <laughs> well, what I love about you, Alan, is I don't, I don't, I don't know if you guys can feel it. I can. You can feel your enthusiasm oh, yeah. just Absolutely. coming. It exudes from you in such a heavy level. Like I can imagine that coming into an organization, like you exude the same thing, so they can really see it. So if this sparks something with anybody listening, they want to get a hold of you. How can they do that? Well, they can go to my website, the whoamianswer.com. On there is a way to email or call me. And on there is also a way to, a lot of people will not want to engage. So if they just want to take the assessments, they can do that. Now there's four free assessments and then there's four paid assessments, the Myers-Briggs, Colby, Fascinate, and Clifton Strength. So those are paid. I can't control that. That's by those organizations. So if they want to just take the assessment and and get and they'll get a great report back that'll tell them a lot of information great but if they want to take it one step further and do an evaluation i can do that where i can really um, pull it apart and find out how they can just um just you know uh take this to a whole new level awesome thanks alan we appreciate you coming in thank you 
All right, next up on the show is Priscilla Moreno with PM Insurance Group, who helps small business owners and the self-employed find medical insurance. Priscilla, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. So how did you get involved in the insurance industry? What was the catalyst there? I mean, I grew up wanting to be an insurance agent. I'm kidding. <laughs> I yeah. was like, wow. <laughs> I was ready to buy in on that too. I don't know. Uh, I always say because... Uh, you don't find insurance. Insurance found me, right? So mm-hmm. um, I worked in, I was a district manager for Dillard's and Chico's. I did a lot of um, retail management. And so I worked a lot of developing other businesses. So for me, it was, I knew that I had that entrepreneur uh, mindset in my heart. Um, I just didn't know where to go. So then um, my next step from there, I went into healthcare administration. Uh, I was kind of a glorified receptionist. And then, I, <laughs> and then I just found myself getting super complacent there. I was like, okay, you know what? I have all of my, I have a little bit of my life back. I have my weekends. I don't have to work inventory on my 30th birthday like I did in retail. Although, <laughs> although I absolutely loved it because I just felt like I was a, a shopper for someone else, but I didn't have any more growth. So that's why I went into healthcare. Yeah. Uh, but I learned a lot in that industry. I learned how to, you know, medical billing and how that side of it works, taking people's insurance cards instead of helping them find insurance. So, so for me, it was like, well, how do I get everything that I've learned from the retail industry, developing other businesses, and then everything that I've learned in health insurance in the uh, medical billing, how do I put those two together? And I just kind of thought about it. And then I told one of my really good friends, she's a recruiter. Um, I was like, Hey, can you help me work on my resume? Because I haven't applied for a job in 15 years because I was always recruited somewhere. And so I was like, can you help me work on my resume? And she goes, sure. So she uh, puts it online to work on it. And she was like, Priscilla, I should have charged you for this. This was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) So, and she didn't post it for, uh, or she didn't post it anywhere to apply. She just posted to work on it. Um, and somehow somebody in insurance found it. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, uh-oh. <laughs> um, and called me and said, um, hey, you need to go in insurance. And I was like, that's kind of what I've been praying for. You know, it's, you know, what okay. I've learned in medical billing and the health insurance side verifying benefits and helping clients understand their benefits on that side of it. And then running a business. I was like, that's kind of. Uh, marrying the two together but when I went to go talk to them I was like this is a complete scam because it's insurance <laughs> everyone thinks that right <laughs> and so um so I was like well I don't think I can I said no absolutely not I can't do this um, at that point I had taken a huge pay cut going into healthcare administration um I all of my bills reflected a six-figure earner and then I went into healthcare and cut my cut my income in half and so I was, I was barely surviving. And so when I went there, I was like, I can't afford to go into entrepreneurship. And so at some point I was like, well, it's always, if it's not now, it's never. Um, if I don't take the leap of faith now, I'm going to constantly push it off and say, I can't, cause I'm going to come up with different reasons. So I, you know, f- fell off the cliff, <laughs> the insurance cliff, and then decided to move forward. And that first year was tested a lot of a lot about me. <laughs> I learned a lot about me. Um, at that point it was, it's funny. It's just all entrepreneurship, right? Like I feel like people don't go into entrepreneurship because things are going amazing. Um, you know, like I, I'm a corporate, I'm in a corporate job and I love it. People usually go into entrepreneurship because they've hit rock bottom. Um, and so at that point for me, I was like, well, I need to learn a lot about what's going on like my first and second year so I can give back to that community and people that are struggling in that. That's an interesting take on it because it's, it's not from like lack of options. Right. But it's almost an abundance of, Hey, I have all of this. I'm going to do something more with it. 
Mm-hmm. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and um, I think, you know, there, there's probably a good amount of the population that's like, oh, all entrepreneurs, they, they go into it because they have money and I don't have money, so I'm not going to. And I, to your point, I think a lot of us have stumbled into entrepreneurship <laughs> with very little money on our hands. But I think that feeds into the ingenuity and you don't have to have a lot of money. You just got to figure out other ways to earn it. What was your experience with that, that first couple of years being your own business owner? Mm-hmm. Well, so, I mean, to your point, when I started my bank account, my checking account was overdrawn. Um, and I, like I, in my head, I was like, I had to find a way. Um, there was no way of finding an excuse. I was like, I have to find a way to make this work. Um, when I look back, I was like, I could have probably found an excuse, but I'm glad I had the mindset <laughs> of like, I have to find a way. Um, so just going into that is, um, I don't, Going into that first year um, will definitely test you, but it's just one of those things where you have to really truly trust the process because you reevaluate everything and it's like, where do I go from here? Um, and I'm like, if I just continue to help people and move forward, then I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say the process, what what process do you mean? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, just the the process of. Um, continuing to put yourself in front of people that can help you. The small, the small business owner community, that's for me was what really truly changed my perspective and changed my life. Um, I mean, to your point, like a lot of people don't have money, but it's, and I'm glad, honestly, I'm glad I didn't because I didn't waste money because I didn't have it to waste. Um, so I didn't put money into, you know, print ads where no one was going to see me because I couldn't afford to do it. Um, so instead I got all of those print ads and called everyone and said, Hey, is this print ad working for you? I would love to have a connection with you. Um, so just continuing to build those relationships and then asking other small business owners, what is your experience with being a small business owner or being an entrepreneur? What is your experience and how have you grown and implementing that into my own personal growth um, trusting that if I'm growing in myself that my business is going to be the outcome of me growing I love that because a lot of that is you know lead generation but on a more relational level you did not have the funds to be able to spend a lot on marketing spend a lot on putting yourself on bus benches and ads so you had to get really creative and I think that's what a lot of people overlook when they're just starting is you can generate business for free it's not really free because your time and your energy and your effort is put into it but it is possible if you're diligent about it and then you're getting in front of people you're meeting new people you start to gain some traction how did you leverage that into growing your business um so at at some point somebody had asked me that year two and I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> and so then I had to go back and look at my schedule. Um, and because I scheduled everything out because I'm mm-hmm. very, um, I think most entrepreneurs can relate to this. We're kind of all over the place. I say we're entrepreneur ADHD people. But <laughs> and so uh, for me it was going back and because at that point I had a bunch of data. Um, I was like, okay, well, I spent a lot of hours doing this. And I, I journaled a lot too, uh, because when you're having fun, then it doesn't feel like work because I was building these relationships and I um, was listening to other people's stories. And for me, I was like, this is amazing. And I'd go home and I was like, I didn't work on my business today. I just, (laughs) I worked on other people's and I'm I'm still broke, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So then I would journal and say everything that I took away from that and all of the work that I put in. So that way I can go back and say, I actually did work. 
Um, so then I felt a little bit more fulfilled there. And then I would wake up in the middle in the middle of the night, like with having a heart attack, trying to send out emails. Like I was like, no, I already journaled. I already know what my game plan is moving forward. And then all of that data I was able to uh, put into uh, reevaluate and put it into my schedule and then continue to repeat and repeat the process. I love this because Mark, you remember we were having a conversation about this. In all of our business, we are somehow collecting information, whether it be in numbers and in, in journal notes and spreadsheets, it's all being collected somewhere. But what I love about this is you, you know, a couple years in took the time to stop and look back at it and learn. And now, I mean, you're running a team of insurance agents and you had to take that and disseminate it into a training program, but -hmm. without stopping to consciously look at that data that you were collecting this whole time, Mm -hmm. how much use would it have been? Right. I mean, zero. I mean, zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So other than maybe being therapeutic, right? For right. The, yeah. For the process. A nice way to get it <laughs> right. all out. But I think that's a good reminder to almost every business owner out there is like, you got to consciously interpret the information mm-hmm. that that you're collecting at some point. And it's hard and it hurts to stop sometimes and actually review it and, and take some insight from what you're collecting. But it can be huge because once mm-hmm. you did that, between looking at that information and figuring out what you were doing to where you are today, how did that change things? Oh, it changed dramatically. Um, at that at that point, I almost doubled my business uh, when I back went back and looked, and it, because it went back to the first couple years, I was like, I trust the process, you know, truly believe it, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but when you're going into like your third year, like, well, I have all this data now, um, so how could I not trust the process? Um, and then how could I not use some of those in, in good and bad, right? Like there's there's um, peaks and valleys. So there was a lot of things that I was looking at that I'm like, okay, I was in the peak here, but I was like very far in the valley here. So how do I make that streamlined a little bit so they're not, I'm not dipping as much um, and then moving forward. But for me, like just entrepreneurship is like 90% mindset. Oh um, my gosh, yes. You know? <laughs> so going after like those two years, I was like, okay, now I trust myself and now I believe in myself. I believe that I can make an impact on people where before I didn't think that I was good enough to be in entrepreneurship. Um, I didn't believe in, I kind of believed in the process of like getting the job done um, and going out and meeting people that probably needed my services. But I was like, what if I'm, I still have that. What if I'm not good enough? And so after the first two years, uh, when I was able to look back and I was like, I am good enough because I've been able to help this amount of people. And when I went back and asked, Hey, why did you do business with me? Which is also could be very humbling. Uh, but when, (laughs) but when I went back, back and asked, I was like, I really, I'm very curious because I want to be able to teach a lot of the things that I've learned. And I want to know why you decided to do business with me. A lot of them said, well, because you work really hard and I know that you're going to answer your phone. And I was like, okay, just getting some of those small affirmations. Um, that's part of one of my love languages, Mm -hmm. um, getting those small affirmations. Mm. I was able to put back into my business and say, well, when I have that small self-doubt, instead of losing time and continuing to harp on that self-doubt, no, somebody said that I was willing to work for them. So that Mm -hmm. that dramatically impacted my business. So we're actually out of time for the second, but you're sticking around for the second show so we can get further. I really want to explore this fear too that people struggle with. Absolutely. uh, And more to get into there. Mm -hmm. So uh, Heather, any closing thoughts? Um, well, I think a good closing thought is, you know, taking away that, that mindset and just the, the keep working hard and trust the process and keep that mindset going forward. Cause sometimes it takes a couple of years to start really seeing traction, but if you stick with it, you're going to get there. And I think to Alan's point earlier, let's take a little bit of time and figure out who we are as mm-hmm. people, even as entrepreneurs, when, when you're talking, I'm thinking, well, you know, the, these tests, this Meyer Briggs, Colby, 
fascinating Clifton strengths. It's like, take a look at those. Just assess yourself. Take the whatever time it takes. It can't be that much time. Do an assessment and see <laughs> what are your strengths and weaknesses so that maybe we can do better. But uh, all right, but that's going to be it for this show. I, I hate being out of time, but we are. So as we wrap up the show, quick reminder, check out our latest podcast or catch video version of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. It's going to be it for us. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>